would take your Bibles this morning and, and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke. I had awfully, I'd actually considered to actually do as some of my other brothers will be doing this morning and preaching on the biblical view of sexuality, but I felt that Brother Trey covered some of that last week and did such an excellent job in his sermon. And two, I am ready to dive into this amazing gospel. Uh, but again, I'll be praying for our brothers as they are preaching this morning. I want to read this morning from the preface of J.C. Ryle. As many of you know, one of my favorite um, writers and authors. In the preface of his commentary on the gospel of Luke, he writes this. He says, I have strong, a strong conviction that we want more reverent, deep, searching study of the Scripture in the present day. Most Christians see nothing beyond the surface of the Bible when they read it. We want a more clear knowledge of Christ as a living person, a living priest, a living physician, a living friend, a living advocate at the right hand of God, and a living Savior soon about to come again. Most Christians, however, know little of Christianity, but it's skeletons of doctrines. I desire never to forget these two things. If I can do anything to make Christ and the Bible more honorable in these latter days, I shall be truly thankful and content. Brothers and sisters, Ryle saw a need for a deeper study, a deeper searching of the Scriptures in his day, and he writes not one, but a... volumes on all four gospels in the new testament commentaries on them that he may honor christ and the bible our day is no different many know nothing past the the surface levels of the scriptures they know nothing more than the than the little bit tidbits of the doctrines that you know that they hear about here and there we have such a misunderstanding in our day just as he did in his of Christ, the Bible, and what Christianity truly is. And so therefore, like Ryle, we need to answer the call. The call to know truth. What better way than to walk through the Gospel of Luke? You say, well, why this Gospel? Well, and I would even add in Acts by that. My my hope is that we'll do both, Luke and Acts. But you may say, well, why Luke? Well, Luke is the longest and most thorough and comprehensive of all the Gospels. And then if you add in the book of Acts... That makes up 52 chapters together in the Bible, meaning that Luke is the author of one-third of the New Testament. And so what better way to get a reverent, deep, searching study of the Scriptures than to walk through these two books? I echo Ryle's prayer in this journey that I pray that you and I are taking together, that we must develop a deep and reverent understanding of Christ, the Bible, and I would even add to that Christianity itself. And so this morning, I am thrilled that you and I would open up our Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. And we will begin this morning with the first four verses, which is the physician's prologue. And if you will, let's read these together. The physician's prologue. Luke writes, he says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, It seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the exact truth about the things that you have been taught. 
Within these four verses, I want to answer three questions. I want to answer, who is the author, what is he writing, and why is he writing it? Who is the author, why is he writing, and why is he writing it? And I want us to begin this morning with the very first question. If I was to ask you to do a quiz for for me this morning, I believe that we would have 100% success within it. If I was to tell you that you had 30 seconds to tell me everything you know about this guy, Luke, I believe that pretty much all of us in here could get it all done within 30 seconds and even have time to spare. Because in all honesty, Luke is a man who is very unknown to us. It would probably only take you about 5 to 10 seconds for you to just tell me everything that you know about Luke. And, because there's not much there. We know that he is a Gentile. We know that he is a physician. We know that he was a fellow laborer and friend of Paul and that he went on two missionary journeys with Paul, that he wrote the book of Luke and he wrote the book of Acts. Ten seconds. Why is it a guy who wrote one-third of the New Testament really makes no mentions of himself other than me, as we saw here in the first four verses, and then there in Acts he uses, he says, we How do we know that Luke is really even the author of Luke and the book of Acts? Well, there are two things that I wanted to share with you very briefly. And this is first is this. We know from earliest traditions of Christianity, the earliest traditions, the earliest writings that we have from our church fathers all attribute Luke as the author. We can go back to the first and second century. And then honestly, brothers and sisters, we can get back from what I read this week. We can probably get within 70 years of when they were written of the people, of 70 years of when Christ was uh, on the earth, of, of saying that Luke was the father of all the stuff, okay? That he was the author of this. So we have the early church writings in the first century. The church is all saying the same thing, that he is the author. But we also have textual evidence this morning, or evidence within the scriptures that affirm Luke as the author. So you kind of have to go through this little journey with me, okay? We know that Luke or, is written to a guy by the name of Theophilus, and we know that the book of Acts is written to the same guy. There's this guy by the name of Theophilus who, who this author is writing to. What we do know is this, is that the guy who wrote Luke, this author, did not witness anything in the life of Jesus. Because he tells us that he's not an eyewitness. He tells us there were others who were eyewitnesses, but he was not an eyewitness. But we do, however, know that he was an eyewitness of the Apostle Paul and the second and third missionary journeys. Because starting in Acts chapter 16, verse 28, he uses the word we. When he refers to the company of Paul and where they would go. So we know that the author was not an eyewitness of Jesus, but he was an eyewitness of Paul. And so then if you begin to look through the epistles and you begin to accumulate all the names of all the people that were with Paul in these journeys. And there are several. There are only four guys who, do not mention, who are not mentioned in the book of Acts. In other words, the writer did not mention himself by name. He was a we. Four of them. Luke being one, Demas being another, we know that it's not him because he deserted Paul. And then you have Epaphras and you have Titus. Well, Epaphras and Titus do not meet the qualifications. And so that leaves us with Luke. And so you have here traditional and textual evidence that attributes that Luke is the author of this gospel. You said, Brother Brian, why do you bring all this out? One, to know who it is that wrote it. But number two, to make a point of application. You have a man who has written one-third of the New Testament. You have an educated man. The first four verses are written in a very, you know, kind of uh, high-royalty type Greek, you know, very poetic, but the rest of it is very common Greek. 
He, very, he makes himself known in the very beginning. He's an educated man. He knows what he's doing. We know that he was with Paul. He has all of these things, and yet he never mentions himself. Why? Because Luke does not want to draw our attention to himself. At the end of the day, Luke is not concerned with what you think about Luke and what you know about Luke. At the end of the day, he does not want to draw the attention to himself and away from Jesus Christ and his salvation. And so, brothers and sisters, I think there's a wonderful point of application for you and I as we begin to get into the study of Luke, because this is a lot of times what happens when you and I are studying and reading the Scriptures, is that we make everything about us. Is that we begin to read ourselves into every verse and every doctrine and all the things. And we need to repent and turn from making Christianity all about us. Amen? Because who is it really about? It is about Christ. And so Luke writes this gospel to let us know the truth about Christ. And yet we live in a world today where we are so self-centered that we want to draw and make everything about me. So we read ourselves in every scripture. The worldview and doctrines that we have are based not upon what the Bible teaches, not upon the deep riches. It's really based upon me and what I feel. How do I feel about this verse? How do I feel about this doctrine? How do I feel about these things? And so, and so we, that's what we kind of go with. Or our evangelism. Our evangelism is more about us and about our life experiences. That when we go to share with someone and begin to tell them about Jesus, we end up telling them about us. We end up telling them about our life. And, 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 and we say more about what we have done. And that has its place, brothers and sisters, but it is, at the end of the day, it is about what Christ has done, or even our service and our commitment to the church is determined by our own convenience, about how we feel and how we think. We draw the attention of Christianity to ourselves, and the sin of self-centeredness has and will have devastating effects. Could you imagine reading the Gospel of Luke and it just talking nothing about Luke and not about Christ? Think about it for just a moment. How many Christians today, ourselves included, can be described as Luke has been described, a beloved physician, that beloved part. He was a special friend of the Apostle Paul, close to the very end. How many people, or even ourselves, can we, can we say that we are a fellow laborer with Christ and with, or a fellow laborer with Paul? That we labor, that we, we work hard and we serve within the church to the point of even exhaustion, that we are willing to put aside all of the worldly things that we may serve, even if it's an inconvenience. How many of us today can even say of ourselves that we are loyal and committed to the very end? Or have we not seen so many who have come through these doors and have sat with us for a moment in time only to walk away and never come back? Or how many times have we ourselves said, I'll do that, and yet we can't commit to the end? Luke was there with Paul to the point of of death. Paul writes in 2 Timothy, he says that all have forsaken me except for Luke. Brothers and sisters, hear me this morning. The guy who wrote this gospel doesn't want you to know a lot about him. Because at the end of the day, it's not about us and it's not about him. It's about Christ And it is because of this very reason that Luke was so dedicated to the passion of knowing the truth of Christ that he was able to be all of these things and so much more. And so I would ask you this morning that as we begin this, that you would examine your own life and that you would begin to seek to repent of self-centeredness in your own life. That you would confess and turn from trying to draw the attention always to you and to you alone rather than pointing to Christ and pointing everyone to him. 
that we may pray this morning and pray every day of our lives that we would let the Spirit of God make us humble and passionate, that we were able to go through life and not make everything about us. It is because of that very characteristic, brothers and sisters, a characteristic that of humility and passion for truth that we get the most thorough and comprehensive gospel of the four. But why does he even write this? So we know who the author is, it's Luke, but why does Luke even write? Look at verses 1, 2, and 3. He says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, it seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order. Do I love that? Look at verse 3 especially. But, but Luke, like many others, he is compiling a history, an account of the events that are concerning Jesus Christ. Now, if you notice, he says that others have written such accounts. These would have been written and maybe even oral accounts. Things that they had witnessed and things that they had passed down, things that they had seen and been a part of and experienced. This may have been the apostles. This may have been people who were healed. This may have been people who were demon-possessed. This may have been people who, who experienced life with Jesus, such as Mary herself. They have passed these things down, and Luke says... I am not an eyewitness of this, but I am a historian. You see, Luke is not an eyewitness of anything of Jesus' teachings or actions, but he is, he does take upon himself the role of historian. And so he is a, a historian is a writer and a compiler of history, a person who studies these past events, provide others with truth, and not just truth, but understanding of the truth. It's not just what happened, but understanding why it happened. And notice verse 3. He really kind of lays it out here. He says, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning to, to write it out for you in consecutive order. Well, there's several things that need to be considered here. Number one, he's not an eyewitness. But he did investigate everything carefully. You see, Luke did his due diligence to make sure that these stories about Jesus were true. This would mean that he tracked down the sources. He interviewed them. He checked them out to make sure they were true. Do you know what this means? It means that Luke very well would have talked to Mary. It's very likely that Luke himself would have, would have sat down with the mother of Jesus Christ and talked to her about the night that the angel came to him. Or about the night that apparently Joseph, and her, and when her and Joseph are going and, into and there was no room for them in the end. He, he would have probably have talked to, to, John, uh, uh, to Zachariah or Elizabeth and if he wouldn't have gotten them then he would talk to Mary and Mary would have told him about that story. Luke would have talked about the miracles that many people experienced. He would talk to people themselves and what they saw and what happened. He would have investigated. Not only would he have investigated that, not only would he have interviewed them, but he probably would have interviewed other people to make sure that what they were saying was, was correct and right. This is amazing if you think about it, because Matthew and, Mark, Matthew and John are eyewitnesses. Their writings to us is what they saw and what they experienced. Mark, however, is not an eyewitness. But we know that Mark is writing from the source of Peter. Peter was the source. Peter was an eyewitness. So Mark is telling us everything that Peter experienced. Luke, of all four Gospels, is not. You say, well, why is this so important? Because Luke is the fact checker. He checks the facts. This is what's so amazing for us. You believe in that Jesus stuff? Well, yes, I believe in that Jesus. How do you know that stuff is even real? 
How do you know that all that stuff you read happened? A virgin giving birth? Him dying and rising from the grave? That can't be proven. None of that can be proven. I need facts in my life. Brothers and sisters, Luke was the one who went back and made sure that everything that it was said and told about what happened with Jesus Christ and those who, were, who, who, who interacted with him was truthful. He is the one who checked the facts. And you and I are living in a day where, brothers and sisters, even those who, the fact checkers today need to be, have their facts checked. We live in a day today where you can't believe anything anyone says. We can't believe anything anyone says. We're living in a world today where it, 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 the goalpost is always moving. and Everything is always changing. We just want to know. I want to know what is right. I want to know what is true. And people say, you can't trust that Bible. Brothers and sisters, we can raise our hand and say, yes, I can. Because we had one who went back and made sure and checked all the facts Beloved, our faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ is not just mysticism or emotionalism. It is not fairy tale. It's not just, I hope all this is real. It is factual evidence that there was a God who sent his son, who was born of a virgin, who lived a perfect life and did miracles and did things and and taught these amazing things and died and rose again. It has been checked. It has been corroborated. It has been found to be truthful in every way. If you struggle with doubt this morning, can I reaffirm your faith? Can I encourage you this morning that if there's one in here that, who, that you are one who doubts, you, you read these things and you doubt, this is why it's so important of knowing the context. It's so important why we know who the author is. Because we know that Luke did his due diligence. That Luke investigated, thoroughly investigated, and he found all this to be true so that I can Rest assured, oh, brother and sister, do you struggle with doubt? I'm here to tell you this morning that the gospel of Luke will be a great help to you. Or maybe this morning you're a non-believer and you struggle to believe. It's not doubting. You just struggle to believe. Let me affirm to you the gospel of Luke this morning is true and factual And believing it is the most logical thing that we could do because it has been tested. But I would even say this even goes further than that, that he investigated from the beginning and he gives and he writes it in consecutive order. You see, Luke is very unique from the other Gospels. Now, let me say this. Everything is in consecutive order except for a few things. And those things are more thematic. They deal with theology. Luke is trying to make a point. Matthew and Mark and John, they do that. Not everything's always in chronological order. Luke, for the majority of his deal, is in chronological order. But not everything, but he's trying to make a theological doctrinal point. We'll get to those when that comes. But know this, that Luke is unique from the other Gospels for almost half of his material is found nowhere else. It is amazing that Luke gives us so much. Again, there are 35 specific miracles recorded in all four Gospels. All right, if you all four Gospels found 35 specific miracles, well, out of those 35, 20 are written in Luke, but out of those 20, seven are found nowhere else. So without Luke, you would not have those seven miracles. There are 50 of Jesus' parables recorded in the Gospels. Luke records almost half of them, um, or I'm sorry, more than half of them. Luke records 39 of them. But 19 of them, almost half of them, 
are found nowhere else. There are 30 events in the life of Jesus which are found only in the Gospel of Luke. He gives information on Zechariah and Elizabeth. He gives us information on angel on the angel's announcement to Zechariah and Mary. Could you imagine him sitting down with Mary and having that conversation? Tell me about the night the angel came to you. Could you imagine him tracking down some shepherds or or, or those who you know to hear about the shepherds and the and the angels who came to sing? Could you imagine? We learn about Zacchaeus, the penitent thief. I'm sorry, Zacchaeus, and then the penitent thief. We learn about those on the road of Emmaus, the rich man and Lazarus. We learn about the prodigal son, and we learn so much more. Brothers and sisters, investigating the Gospel of Luke will provide us with a comprehensive understanding of the life and the salvation, the, the life of Jesus and the salvation that he brings to us. You throw in the book of Acts, and now you have a thorough study not only of Jesus Christ, but you have a thorough study of Jesus Christ, his salvation, and the church and the Great Commission. It is so important, brothers and sisters, that we study and we investigate. But I need you to know something with me this morning. This is not just about history, though. This is not just about the fact that you just get 19 more parables out of Luke. There, this is so much more than just about the facts. Take notice again of verse 1. For he writes, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of these things accomplished among us. Notice the word accomplished. It is the word Plerophoreo, which indicates complete, the completement, complete fulfillment of something. In other words, maybe your translation says fulfillment, and that would be a better translation. So in other words, he's saying that he is compiling an account of things fulfilled among us. What has been accomplished, what has been fulfilled. Well, if you will, I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to turn to the right to Luke chapter 19. And I want you to see this amazing story that Luke gives us here in his gospel. Luke chapter 19. And I want you to begin in just verses 9 and 10 is all we're going to look at. And you know the story. It's the story of Zacchaeus, the wee little man. The wee little man was he. It was one of our kids' favorite songs that I would sing. They just liked it better when Melanie would sing it. And not me. But it's, it's, this is the story of Zacchaeus who's looking to see Jesus. And I just want you to see, for, for time's sake, we're just going to look at these last two, little verse, these two verses here. 19, verse 9 and verse 10. Notice what he says, where he writes. He says, And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to his house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was, what? Lost. This is amazing. Could you imagine Luke having the opportunity to hear the story and investigate this story? You see, brother and sister, Luke is not just giving us the good, he's not just giving you the facts of Jesus. He's not just giving you the comprehensive history of the church and of Jesus and all that. He is actually telling us the very purpose and the very reason for why Christ has come and what God has accomplished through Jesus Christ. And that is that God brought salvation through Jesus Christ for sinners who were lost. Do you hear that? I don't think you got it. This is not just a history book. You go to school and you get history books. 
This is about the fulfillment of God's plan that he had from the beginning before creation was even born, before he brought things into creation. This is about Genesis 3.15 and the, 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 the head of the serpent being crushed by the seed of the woman. This is about God making that promise to Abraham that he would use him to bring forth not just kings, but what? The king of kings to bring salvation to sinners who were lost. You see, here's the interesting thing about Luke is that Matthew and Mark never use the word salvation. And John uses it one time. But Luke will use it six times. And if that ain't enough, you add Acts, he uses it seven times. And what we find is, is that Luke is not just compiling facts, he's not just compiling interviews. Luke is telling us that God accomplished the very thing that he said he was going to do. And if that's not enough, Luke also writes not just about those who were Jewish who came to the saving knowledge of Christ, but he tells us about the poor. He tells us about the, 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 the Gentiles, about the sick and the lame. Luke, Luke, the physician, Luke, the beloved who cared for, he tells about those who are like him, a Gentile, and those who were not rich, and those who didn't have health, and all of those things. How the outcasts of the world, how Jesus came to fulfill what God had promised long ago, that they too can be saved. Brothers and sisters, this gospel is a thorough account of how God accomplished your salvation. It is a thorough account of how the results of our salvation, how it goes into the world, that Jesus is God in the flesh, born of a virgin, lived perfectly under the law, died on the cross in our place, and rose from the grave. And of all four gospels, Luke's gospel is the most comprehensive and thorough and maybe even most clearest account of the salvation of Christ. Beloved, Luke lets us know that salvation and redemption is possible in Jesus for you. Luke lets us know that salvation is possible to the one that you're concerned about right now. Do you have someone? Do you have someone who is running from the who's running, who's lost? Someone who's in sin, who's living in a lifestyle of sin, who, who may be an atheist or, or whatever. Maybe they believe in their head, not in their heart kind of thing, whatever. They, they know about God. They're raised in church. But you just know someone who is lost and who is in sin. And you just think, I, I don't know what hope they have. They have Christ. Christ is the answer. He is the solution for them. And he is for you as well. And so just like Luke, brothers and sisters, I would call upon you to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ this morning and know that Jesus Christ came and died for you. That I would call upon you this morning that if you were under conviction this morning that you would repent of your sins and believe in Jesus Christ and be saved this morning. That you would be like this Zacchaeus and that, that you would say that you can know that today salvation has come to my house today. Does anybody remember the day salvation came to their house? I remember 13 years old, and I remember the day that salvation came to my house. 
And then I was a, a traitor, and I was a, a criminal, and I, I, I was treacherous, I was sinful, I was wicked beyond all things. And yet Christ, through His great glorious life, and through His great glorious death and resurrection, brought salvation to me. And He can be for you as well today. Call out to Him in forgiveness. Call out to Him and turn from your sins. Call out to Him and believe that you may know that the Son of Man has come to seek out that which was lost. And if there is one that you love, I love this, He comes to seek and to save which was all He is seeking to save, brothers and sisters. He can save those that we are praying for. Amen? And thirdly, why is He writing this? Look again to verse 4. I love this. He writes to this guy by the name of Theophilus. And he says to him, he says, So that you may know. I compile all of this, Theophilus, so that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. Don't miss that phrase. The Greek word... To know means to know fully. It doesn't mean that you are without that you have doubts. It doesn't mean that you know ninety percent of. It. Like I know enough. Like when people ask me, "Are you? Can you do electronical electronics and things?" I'm like, I, I know a little, and sometimes I may know enough. That's not what this is. Luke is writing, and he says that the office. I am writing that you may know fully. 100%, no doubts, no questions. You, you got it. But then notice he says that you may know fully what? The exact truth. That you may know with certainty. You see, that, that exact truth means firmness and security. I love this. He tells Theophilus, he says, Theophilus, he says, I'm writing to you that you may know fully that you may be firm and rooted and secure in your faith i don't know who theophilus is there's a lot of speculations and things on this but it doesn't matter what matters is is you got a guy by the name of luke who apparently loves this guy so much that he writes 52 chapters luke and then acts that this guy may know god and his mission on the in this world I don't know what you've done for lost people to come to know Jesus and for them to be discipled, but brothers and sisters, that's a pretty awesome deal. Almost, we can almost ask the question, what lengths are you willing to go for others? But, but, but here we see that he tells him, he says, Luke wants him to know the full truth concerning Jesus and understand with certainty and security against all error. In other words, Theophilus, I don't want you to be tossed around by and fro in this world. I, I, I don't want you to hear things that are not true. I, I want you to know what Jesus did and why he did it. Luke wants his brother to be rooted in the truth of Jesus Christ. Beloved, this is what Luke gives us. And not just to be showing a little favoritism to Luke. This is what the Bible gives us. From Genesis to Revelation, it gives us certainty of faith. If you saw the graphic of the series on Facebook or on the internet or whatever, if you saw the graphic that I used for this series, it was a tree. with It showed the roots under the ground, how, how they spread out and how deep they went. 
when I saw that, that is uh, that was my first thing I thought. I thought this that is my prayer for you. That is my prayer for me. That preaching through the gospel, your your one year reading plan, the 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 G3 book challenge, book reading plan, all these things that we're doing, all these things that we're challenging you to do. That all of this, but most especially the preaching of the gospel, will help you to develop roots that are deep in your faith. Deep in Christ that you will not be moved. That you will have certainty in the faith, certainty of faith in Christ. Certainty in Bible knowledge. Certainty in your salvation. Certainty in your evangelism. Certainty in your worship, certainty in your, your marriage, in your parenting, in your, in, your, in your purpose in life. Or how about this one? Certainty in times of suffering and persecution. Because now in Canada, there will be those who will preach the gospel and they will be fined or arrested and imprisoned. And they're going to wonder if they're doing the right thing. There are going to be those who are going to wonder, beloved, are they doing the right thing? How do I know with certainty that I'm doing the right thing? How do I know in certainty that in times of great suffering and persecution, that coming to church, how do I know in COVID that COVID is here and that I have a certainty of knowing in the middle of the pandemic that I still need to go and worship Jesus Christ? Because the truth of the Bible tells me this. The truth of Scripture tells me that what I am doing is right. And even if I suffer, I can be certain that I am standing on truth today. Beloved, remember what J.C. Ryle wrote. He said most Christians see nothing beyond the surface of the Bible when they read it. Most Christians know little of Christianity but its skeleton of doctrines. This is true. People do not have certainty of faith anymore because, let's just be honest, they don't know the Scriptures. You don't know what's in the Bible. You know Zacchaeus is in the Bible, but you really don't know what that's about. I know of this guy Moses. I know this guy Abraham. But you don't, but you, and it's covenant, but does, does that covenant involve me? Is that, is that covenant about me? That's just Abraham. I know David went and fought a Goliath and God, man, face your giants. We don't know the scriptures. Luke has written us his gospel that you may know more than just stories. That you may know them in their context and what they mean. But not only that, brothers and sisters, we don't know the truths that are in the Bible. We don't understand the doctrines and the theologies. We only know surface level things and we don't go deeper. We cannot bring to mind what it means whenever we say the word justification. What does justification mean? Or sanctification or glorification and so many other words and doctrines. We believe, some of us believe that Jesus is nowhere to be found in the Old Testament. That why do I even need the Old We have pastors who will say from pulpits, you need to disconnect yourself from the Old Testament. 
His name's Andy Stanley. Stay away from him. Because he is a man who does not have certainty of truth. We don't know the spiritual sanctifying power of the Bible because we do not read, we do not study, we do not hear the preaching of God's word as a means of God's grace to sanctify me. It's amazing. It is amazing to think that we can go our entire lives and not really read the scriptures and not attend church faithfully and think that it will not have major consequences on our lives. But it does. If that is you this morning, then hear me this morning. You can be rooted in your faith. You can have certainty of the exact truths and be firmly rooted in your faith, not tossed around here and throw by the winds of this world. You can know and you can sing with confidence that Christ is your solid rock. You say, how, Brother Brian? In the same way that Luke himself wrote this gospel, he investigated carefully. This is what's amazing, is that many of us believe that God is going to just speak to us and give us understanding and, and knowledge, but we forget the reason why these people had knowledge was because they were either there or they had to go and find it. But we think that we cannot read the scriptures then we cannot go to church faithfully, consistently, and somehow we can know about Jesus Christ. It doesn't happen that way. We must be like Luke. We must be like Luke. We must investigate carefully everything that is, that is written in this and read it over and over and preach it over and over and study it over and over. And come to Christ on our knees and prayerfully ask because here's the thing though Luke may have investigated all of this know this there is not one word of Luke's gospel that is not inspired by the Holy Spirit you see John and uh and and Matthew they were eyewitnesses Peter eyewitnesses and theirs was inspired and we won't look at Luke and we went, well he had to go figure it all out yeah but here's the beauty of this God inspired the eyewitnesses. He inspired the non-eyewitness in the same way that he did the eyewitnesses. So here's the beauty of this, brothers and sisters. In the same way that you can know Christ thoroughly and cert with certainty, it is through dependence upon the Spirit of God. You are never going to have roots in, in your faith if you don't study the Bible and investigate and come and hear the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. It will not happen. I challenge you to investigate carefully. Beloved, Luke was not, again, not an eyewitness, but, but God, through the Spirit, he, he learned it. So, brothers and sisters, you and I, we can know these deep truths by laboring on dependence of the Lord. We must do the same. Investigate the gospel carefully. So I challenge you this morning a few things to attend the preaching of this wonderful gospel. To attend the preaching of this wonderful gospel. It, I am so excited to do this. I am so ready to get into this. It's going to be so good. So come and learn. I, I, my wife was already, her eyes got big when I told her how many sermons I had just in the first 35 verses. It's just amazing. 
your eyes are probably getting big too. But it's just so good. It's so rich. Read and study the Gospel of Luke. I know you're doing other things. I'm not telling you to, to, to do some type of in-depth study that's going to, you know, for the next five years. Just as we're going through this, just read, read it along with the passages and things. Evangelize your friends and family members by bringing them to the This is very important. If there are people who do not know Christ and you have been called to evangelize them, what better way to evangelize them than to bring them to church to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? Amen? You have an opportunity now for the next, I don't even know how long it's going to take, but you have an opportunity now to someone that you know out there who is not a believer and look at them and go, you say you don't believe in Jesus? Well, look, my pastor said this, that by the time you get done, when he gets done with Luke, you'll believe. I challenge you, not don't, just bring them, that they may hear the beautiful story of Christ, the factual story. Not only that, disciple someone by bringing them to hear the gospel preached. And then I would say, finally, brothers and sisters, would you join me in prayer in echoing the prayer of J.C. Ryle? My chief desire in this and all my writings is to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ, make him beautiful and glorious in the eyes of men, to promote the increase of repentance, faith, and holiness upon earth. If this shall be the result of this volume, the labor that it has cost me will be more than repaid. Brothers and sisters, will you join me in that? Will you begin praying with me? That Christ be lifted up through this preaching of this gospel and be found to be glorious in the eyes of men? Would you, would you join me in praying that we, through the preaching of this gospel, we promote the increase of repentance and faith and holiness, not just on the earth, but in your life and in mine, so that we know that our labor is not in vain? Would you join me in doing these things? I believe it if you will. God is going to richly, richly bless us through this sermon series. Let's pray.